Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We are halfway through the book of Acts. And so far, give me your attention, we have seen a lot of first in the book of Acts. Oh, you might remember if you've been with us, Acts chapter 3, we saw the first miracle. Don't you remember Peter and John were going by the gate called Beautiful? And they saw a lame man sitting there at the gate. Peter looked at the man. The man looks at Peter. Peter says, give me your right hand. He ra- grabs the man's right hand and he says, silver and gold have I none such as I have. Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ, Peter says, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that the man jumped up and he was jumping and leaping and praising God because it was a miracle, the first miracle in the book of Acts. And not only the first miracle did we see, but that first miracle brought us to the first persecution. And we find that in Acts chapter 4. Because this lame man was healed, caused the religious people to get upset, and they began a persecution. And not only do we have the first persecution, but we also see the first deception. Acts chapter 5, the husband and wife team... Ananias and Sapphira, don't you remember? They lied to the Holy Spirit and they tried to deceive the early church. Remember that? The first deception. And then in Acts chapter 7, we've seen the first martyr. Stephen was killed for his faith. And then in chapter 8, we've seen the first missionary as Philip traveled and preached the gospel. And then in Acts chapter 9, we saw the first radical conversion. Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. His life was changed. And this man, who had been a chief opponent to the gospel, is now a chief proponent of the gospel. We've seen a lot of first. We've seen the first church council in Acts chapter 15. You know you were with us. And then we saw the first church split. In Acts chapter 15 as well. We've seen the first missionary team. And we've seen the first missionary journey as Paul and Barnabas and Mark, or some of the journey, traveled, preaching and spreading the gospel in the region of Galatia. There were a lot of firsts so far in the book of Acts. This morning, today, this afternoon, we come to a bunch of seconds And we'll see a bunch of seconds now as we see Paul and Silas as a team, they take their second missionary journey. We begin in Acts chapter 15, 
And we'll pick up in verse 40 and then move right into chapter 16. Saints, Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 40, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, he came to Derbe. And Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there, and his name was who, saints? Timothy. He was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well, Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him, and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders of Jerusalem. And so in verse 5, saints, would you mind reading it with me? So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Stop right there. Give me your attention. When Paul began his first missionary journey, he left Antioch and strengthened the churches in the region of Syria and Cilicia. And now he comes to the cities, Derby and Lystra. Now you might remember in Acts chapter 14, if you were with us, remember Paul was in Lystra. And remember on the first missionary journey, he was in Lystra and they stoned him with stones. And he was dead really dead. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 14, are you listening? In Acts chapter 14, the Bible tells us that certain disciples were there gathered together around Paul as he's kind of laying there dead on a trash heap. One of those certain disciples, now mind you, in Acts chapter 14, we are talking about Paul's first missionary journey. One of those certain disciples would have been Timotheus. That's his Greek pronunciation. We pronounce it Timothy. Timothy at that time, we learn from the scriptures, was a godly young teenage person. Probably he was about the age of 15 or 16 at the time when he first met Paul in Lystra. When Paul comes back to Lystra, he again meets Timothy. Now it's several years later. Young Timothy is probably about 19 or 21 years old. But I'm confident when Timothy sees Paul, of course his memory would rewind to that time on the first missionary journey when Paul came to Lystra where he saw Paul dead, and then he rose up. And that, my friend, left an impressionable and indelible impression on Timothy's mind. I mean, let's just face it, people don't rise from the dead every day. Say amen, saying you know that. So Timothy sees that. He is impressed, to say the least. 
And when he sees Paul on this second missionary journey, Paul then, he links up with Paul. Paul links up with him. And Paul takes Timothy and makes him a disciple. When Paul meets Timothy on this first missionary journey, we need to understand something. That when Paul met Timothy on the first missionary journey, Timothy was already a godly young guy. Paul didn't make him a godly young guy. Timothy was already a godly young man. Now, let me just give you a little background, a little history on Timothy. His name means, perhaps you're taking notes, his name means, he's got a great name, it means honoring God. I love that name. Mom, you're pregnant, you're having a son. Hey, Timothy is a great name. I don't know about you, but I think the names are getting too clever nowadays. (laughs) I can't pronounce half the people I meet. I can't pronounce their name. I'm like, what what is your name? Whatever happened to simple names, simple great names, like Rodney. (laughs) I like it a lot. I mean, whatever happened to names like John? You know, nowadays you get these crazy names and stuff. Timothy, listen, people, Timothy, his name means honoring God, and it's a great name. We already learned that Timothy's hometown is Lystra. On your map today, you will see it's modern-day Turkey. We also learned from the text we just read that Timothy, watch this, was the son of a mixed marriage. Timothy was the son of a mixed marriage. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Greek and an unbeliever. So Timothy, I would suppose, reading the white space between the lines, Timothy was probably caught in a peculiar place. I mean, he's a mixed breed. His mother's a Jew. His father's a Greek. His mother's a believer, and his father is not. And so as a Jew, Timothy wasn't circumcised. And so Jewish people would then look at Timothy as a dirty Gentile dog who was created for the fodders of hell. Because that's the way Jewish people looked at Gentiles in those days. You're just good to make hell hot. That's all you're good for. And then as a Gentile, he would be... Consider he might, you know, be considered as like, a, you know, look at the Jews and go as a self-righteous Jew. The Gentiles might look at him and say, you're just a self-righteous Jew. He is in a, a peculiar place. Now, we also know from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and also 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it tells us, listen close, when Timothy was a child, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice taught him the Bible and brought him up in the faith. His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. I've been reading this for a week. And every time I read the name Eunice, I think of Carol Burnett. Is it mama's family? Mama's family was good. Oh, y'all never saw, oh, y'all don't watch TV. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I was in church. That little one-eyed demon, huh? I'm like, oh, you got a one-eyed demon in your house. Who they used to call TV? Mama's family was off the chain. Okay. 
His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice taught him the Bible and brought him up in the faith. Now, listen, guys, listen, listen. I, was, I, I think of teens when I make this comment, but I think it's broader than that. I think it's everyone. Listen, if you have believing parents or you have believing grandparents around you who care, you need to be thankful. Amen. Amen. You need to be thankful because you have an incredible heritage. You got believing parents. You got believing parents who care about you. They believe in the Lord and they care about you. And from a child, you have been taught the scriptures. You have heard the scriptures. You have an incredible heritage. And listen closely. I am not referring to the fact that because you are now a believer, you have an incredible heritage. You have an incredible heritage even if you are not a believer. Because your mother, your grandmother, your family took the time to sow the seed of the word of God into your soul and into your spirit. And even if you don't believe that, that seed has been sown. And there ain't nothing you can do about it, honey. Because that seed is sown in your life. And the Bible says this. Now, listen closely. In Isaiah 55, verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, God says, it shall not return unto me void. Don't you understand that God's word will not return unto him void? What do you mean, Rodney? Well, what if I don't become a believer? Listen. God's word will not return unto him void even if you don't become a believer. Even if, unfortunately, you take your last breath here on earth and take your next breath in the presence of God, God's word still did not return unto him void. Because the Bible says that when we stand before God in judgment, he will judge us righteously. It will be righteous judgment. In other words, God will be right in his judgment because the seed of the word had been sown in your life, but you chose not to respond to it. So God's word still doesn't return void. And perhaps you respond to that word that's been sown into your life and you become a Christian, then all the better. You are a believer and God's word is still true and it doesn't return to him void. Even if you don't believe God's word has been sown in your life and you will be accountable for that which you know. So you really do have an heritage that's from the Lord. If God's word has been sown in your life as a child. I was talking to my mom yesterday. My mom's in Philly. And uh, we were chatting on the phone and some of y'all know my mother. And uh, we're talking about the things of the Lord, talking about the scriptures that we always talk about, talking about God, what the Lord's doing. And uh, we're talking about the ministry and talking about my life in the ministry and my, and my life as a whole and how God has directed and steered my life. And, and my mom began to tell me and remind me, if you will, that years before, get this, I don't know, maybe I've told you, but Years before I became a Christian, my mother told me that she saw in a vision me as a pastor. 
before I was a believer. Then you got to understand something. When my mother got saved, I was about 15 years old. My mom was a single parent. She was a hardworking woman. If it's one thing I remember about my mom, a couple things. Couple things. Remember, my mom, she was really, really good looking. She's good looking now, but she was really, I mean, you know, I remember that. She was a beautiful woman. Just a beautiful woman and a hard working woman. I'm about 15 years old. And my mom, one day, she went to work about 4 15 a.m. My mother went to work every day at 4 15 a.m. And uh, I guess the bus was right down the street, so she had to get on the bus and she walk out the house, walk out the apartment. I never forget, so I got to tell y'all, y'all here third service, I tell you this here. I never forget, my mom told us, she said, uh, you know, when your mom leaves to work and she gives you the instructions, you know, okay, Rodney, Jerry, no jumping on the beds. You know, in those days, the beds had slats. Y'all remember that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, they had slats. As soon as she walked out the door, now I should have known something was suspicious because it was like around 6.30 and she hadn't left yet and she leaves every day at 4.15. So it's about 6.30 in the morning. We have to get ourselves up and go to, to school. And she says, no jumping on the beds now. And about as soon as she walked out that door, me and my brother were like, wee, wee, you know, we jumping on the beds. And she turned around and came back in. Let me tell you, when I saw her, we were midair. Frozen. I mean, you ever, you, you, you ever be so caught, you're frozen, you're like, huh. Man, she, my mom would tear you up with her shoe. That was in it. Your mama too? She'd take that shoe off. Wah, 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 wah. Told you not to jump on that bed. And she walked back out, no jumping on the bed. We're like, okay, oh, don't do it no more. She left every day at 4.15. And my mom worked in a like a, a meat packing house. She used to pack steaks at the time. And I remember we didn't have food in the refrigerator. We didn't have milk, mayonnaise, cheese, cereal, nothing. We had nothing. But because she worked in a steak place and packed steaks, we always had steak. <laughs> I mean, we were eating steak when folks was eating Fruit Loops. <laughs> we were eating steaks. And then she changed jobs, and she continued to go to work early in the morning, and she started working for high-grade ballpark franks. Y'all remember those? They plump when you cook them. Remember that? She used to pack those. And we didn't have milk or cheese or mayonnaise in the refrigerator, but we had hot dogs. And to the day, I can't stand a hot dog. I hate the summer to come around. People invite me over, and they're like, oh, come on over for some hot dogs. I'm like... Stand a hot dog, man. I hate hot dogs. Ugh. <laughs> this one particular day, 4.15, my mother left as usual. And she went, uh, headed to work. And this particular day was different than any day because that day that my mother came home from work, she was a different woman. She looked different. She was acting different. She was Walking different. I mean, she was visibly changed. And she came home from work, and she was just changed. And I looked at her. Me and my mom were like this. And I looked at her. I said, what is wrong with you? Why are you so weird? And she told me, she said, Rodney, today 
I was on the trolley headed to work, and I looked across the way, and I saw a church, and the Holy Spirit told me to get off the trolley and go into that church, and she received Jesus on her way to work. She received Jesus as her Lord and Savior that day. And when she came home, I'll wait. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Ma. Thank you, Lord. And when she came home, she was different. And from that point on, she began to share the word with me. She began to sow the seed of the word. Mind you, I wasn't a Christian. She began to tell me about the goodness of God. She began to go to church and, and, and try to get me to go to church, and I didn't want to go to church. I mean, I had been raised in Catholic school. But all those years in Catholic school, guys, honestly, I didn't learn anything about God. I don't know how in the world I sat through that many years of religious instruction, and I knew nothing about God. And I'm not saying that's a problem with the Catholic Church. I'm just saying that was me. I didn't learn anything from God. My mom was trying to tell me about the things of God and share with me about God. And each day she would tell me something. She'd go to church and go during the week. I couldn't understand why in the world would anybody go to church in the middle of the week. And now I'm in church in the middle of the week every week. I couldn't understand it. And my mom would pray for me. I remember she would come in the room. And I would be acting like I was sleeping because I'm like, she's just too weird. She's too weird. I can't handle it. She's too weird. So she'd come in the room and she would grab my toe. I don't know why. And she would, I'd act like I was asleep because I knew she was going to do something weird or something. I don't know. She was a Christian and I wasn't, you know. And she would pray for me and she would walk around my bed and she would wave her hand over me. And I'm just laying there like, this is weird. <laughs> and she would just like wave her hand over me and praying for me and, and talking to the Lord. And, and she began each day to sow the seed of the word of God. And when she told me that she had a vision that I was going to be a pastor and she saw me in a robe and she saw a red curtain behind me, I said, Mom, there is really something wrong with you. I mean, really, not only that, but all those preachers wearing those robes, I can't do that. And sure enough, who would have thunk it? Six years later, January 23rd, 1982, I was 21 years old. I called my mom and said, Mom, guess what? She said, what? I said, I gave my life to Christ and I became a Christian. And man, I could hear her. I was out in California. I could hear her praising and jumping and speaking in tongues, and she was just going on, yeah, praise the Lord. And God began to work in my life then. God began to call me then. I never knew that. And then people would just walk up to me. I remember a time where, you know, I, I, my wife and I, this is fast forward so many years later, Elvira and I got married, and, 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 and we were walking into like a Home Depot, like a lumber place or whatever. And I remember this one lady, she, um, at Home Depot, and we, we walk up, and you know, you see a lady standing there, and you're just so nice, and they, hey, how you doing? You know, you're just being friendly. Hey, how you doing? And uh, she was a, you know, short black lady, and, and, and she just, she, she looked at me, and I looked at her, I'm like, how you doing? She was like, up, up. She goes, she's looking all around my head, you know? She goes, uh, you a preacher? You know, not preacher. You a preacher? I was like, she's she looking all around my head? And I, and I said, uh. Well, no, no, I'm not. I mean, no, I'm not. I said, well, you know, why'd you ask? She goes, well, you got a fat neck like a preacher. I said, oh, you want some of this, huh? Oh, come on. I ain't scared of you now. And she's just like, yo, you, you, you. And she, she just said, 
God going to use your life. God is going to use your life. I never saw this woman ever just walked up on her. God's going to use your life. God's going to bless your life. Listen, God will use your life and God blesses your life because of the seeds that are sown in your life. When Paul met Timothy, listen, Timothy, Paul didn't do much of anything in Timothy's life. His grandmama and his mama sowed the seed of the word of God in his life. And by the time Paul saw him on the first missionary journey, his heart had already been prepared. He was already a godly guy. And he went in the ministry as a result of what his parents did in his life. Mom, dad, listen. Grandmom, granddad, how important it is for you to give your children the scriptures. Saints say amen. amen. Give your children the scriptures. Teach them the Bible. Sow the seed even if they don't understand it. Even if they're not believers, you tell them about Jesus. And I'm confident that Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandparents, I don't think they sat him down to say, okay, Timothy, now we're going to have a Bible study. Okay, now you sit down, young man. We're going to have a Bible study, and we're going to start in the book of Leviticus. (laughs) He's like, ah! I don't think that's how it happened. I think it happened more like Timothy was living his life day to day and mom would say to him, if a situation would happen or a circumstance would happen or something would go on in Timothy's life and his mom would say, hey, Timothy, guess what the Bible says about that? Hey, well, man, let's just pray about that, Timothy. Let's pray about that. Or God's word has this to say, or God's word. That's how you lead your children to the Lord. You don't sit them down and start a Bible study in in Numbers, Leviticus, Daniel, or anything else over their head. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.